Welcome to this week's sermon from the Willoughby United Methodist Church. I wanted to uh, offer or invite you to take on a posture of prayer, as is my habit, and I, I think it's a good habit. To, my habit is this, before I read the word, whether it's here publicly or even at home in my devotional setting, I always open in prayer and invite the Holy Spirit to come and to reveal to me God's truth. And so I would invite you to take on a posture of prayer and hear this prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here, that you would open our ears, our minds, and our hearts to receive the whisper of your voice and the power of your message. May the meditation of our hearts and the words of my lips be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Our scripture today comes from the, the uh, book of Acts, chapter 19, verses 1 through 8, which reads, While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the interior regions and came to Ephesus where he found some disciples. He said to them, Do you, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? They replied, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then he said, Into what then were you baptized? And they answered, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, in Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Altogether there were about twelve of them. He entered the synagogue and for three months spoke out boldly and argued persuasively about the kingdom of God. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Thanks be to God. Today we're going to talk about sharing our gifts based on the third missionary experience of Paul as he goes into Ephesus. And to start with, I wanted to kind of share the three best years of my life as a child growing up. If you were here last week, you'll, you'll know that uh, I painted a, a little picture of, of, give you a glimpse of what my childhood was like, and it wasn't a pretty one. But there were three years, seventh, eighth, and ninth grade, that were outstanding because that was the first time in my life that I was able to attend a school for more than one year. And so that first year, seventh grade, I was able to make friends like I normally had to do, right? I was always the new kid. And so I made a, made a friend, and his name was Bill. And what's beautiful about that story or what's powerful about that time or what makes that time the best time in my life as a child is because when we got to eighth grade, our relationship evolved from just being friends to being best friends. The kind of best friend that every parent hopes their child will have. It's the kind of friendship that, you know, if, if your child is not home, you, you know in your heart where they're at. They're not out running the streets. They're probably at the best friend's house. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like being grafted into another family. And I was grafted into another family. 
And it was a beautiful time. Matter of fact, I was so grafted into that family that that Christmas, after opening my gifts at my house, I was invited to go over to Bill's house. And so I went over to Bill's house, and I was just thinking that I was going to uh, play with his new toys with him, whatever they may be, right? I got there, and Bill's dad set us down in front of the tree and went behind the tree, and, and he had hid it from Bill. He pulls out two presents, same size, and he hands them to us. And he said, this is my gift for both of you. And so we tore open the boxes, and what I found inside was a pocket knife, a beautiful pocket knife, much like this one. Wooden handle, brass, a beautiful blade with, on the blade was etched a western scene. Man, it was like every boy's dream to have a knife. I often wonder, now having my own son, who in their right mind would give a sharp object <laughs> to a 14-year-old boy? What do boys do with knives? Well, <clears throat> we whittle. We make sticks to roast marshmallows on. We, when we receive a gift like that, we normally go take it with us to every meal and use it to cut our food, right? Including eggs, because we have a knife, right? Or we take it and we test the sharpness of the blade by seeing if we can... You laugh because you've done it. That's not what I did, though because of who gave me that knife. You see, this, just was, this wasn't just an ordinary knife. This was given to me by a, father, a fatherly figure in my life who would breathed life back into me. And so what I did was I had a treasure chest, and I put that treasure in that treasure chest. And I put it on a shelf. And I think that's what happened to the church that Paul visited. They had received a gift, but they didn't know what to do with it, but, so they put it on a shelf. You see, he goes there, and he's, he's like trying to find the way into the church. He probably can't find... This is my, my take on what Paul experienced and, and what, he, what he went through. He probably went to every door, couldn't find the right one because sometimes they're locked and... You know, you got, if, you're not a, if you're not a regular, you may not know the right door to go in, right? And when he finally gets inside, you might not know where to go. So he's looking around trying to find the sanctuary and people are walking past him because they're, they're anxious to either get a cup of coffee or to find their seat, right? And when he finally follows the flow of traffic and finds a sanctuary, he goes in and he sits down and he thinks, oh, I can start worshiping God. And you know what happened? My guess. Somebody walked up to him and said, excuse me, you're in my seat. You need to move. I said that to him because I know him. That's my guess. Because it leads Paul to ask a question, what baptism were you baptized in? Because if you were baptized in the Holy Spirit, then you would be showing fruits of the Spirit. Hope, faith, and love. But most of all, love, right? 
And I'm not seeing that from you guys. What baptism did you have? And they said, well, we had the baptism of John. Paul goes, ah, that's the problem. You see, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, a baptism of forgiveness. You haven't been given the gift of the Holy Spirit yet. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus and receive an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And that happens in that passage, right? That's what, the, that's what Paul does. He baptizes them in the Holy Spirit. And they come alive, right? I think, I just want to set this up a little bit. That the fruits of the Spirit are being shared in this church. I had some visitors come last week and we went to lunch afterwards and, and without me prompting, without me asking, they just said, boy, we really like the, the church. It's so friendly. Do you know that we were greeted and welcomed eight times before we sat down? I almost wanted to ask, did you sit in somebody's seat? <laughs> but I didn't. And they didn't tell me that they, they were asked to move. And they came back. But I want to warn you that just because we think we're doing good doesn't mean we're doing enough. Because the world, the world thinks we're a bunch of hypocrites. And I'll prove my point by telling you another story. See, at my former church, I was the liaison or representative for the Chamber of Commerce. Now, I'm sure Willoughby has a Chamber of Commerce. Most cities do, right? And the, the nature of these luncheons were to network and to make connections. And so I would go to these chamber meetings, and I was maybe younger and naive, but I would go up and introduce myself. And do you know what the very next question is after you make an introduction? Do you know? So what do you do for a living, Right? And without hesitation, I said, I'm a, I'm a pastor. Oh, nice to meet you, pastor. Uh, I forgot my name tag. I've got to go get my name tag. Time and time again. You know, I thought that maybe I wasn't wearing enough deodorant or something. Or, but it continued to get worse. So I tried to get creative in how I introduced myself, right? I would say... Uh, um, they'd ask, well, what do you do? And I says, well, I kind of intersect people in the midst of their joys and pains in life and help walk, through, walk with them through that. Oh, like a life coach? I said, well, no, not exactly. More like a spiritual director. So, oh, like a pastor? I said, uh, well, yeah. And they would say, oh, nice to meet you, pastor. i got to go get my name tag. And this, this is a true story that actually happened, right? I went through this with somebody, and at the end, when they found out I was a pastor, they said, uh, well, nice to meet you, pastor, but I've got to go get my name tag. And I just stood there like I wanted to scream out, but you're already wearing yours. So it got me thinking, what is it about being a pastor or maybe being a Christian that makes people uncomfortable. 
And so I started to ask. And I was kind of surprised at the response. One man was really honest with me. And he said, you're a bunch of hypocrites. He says, you go into church and you proclaim to love your neighbor, yet almost every time I'm on the highway, I'm getting cut off by somebody with a fish symbol or a cross on their window. He said, you guys proclaim it, but you're not living it. And I think that's what was happening in Ephesus. They were proclaiming it, but they just didn't know how to live it. So, in my old church, there was a gentleman that was really proud of his nickname. His nickname, he insisted on being called Krusty. And he fit the bill. And I had to come to Jesus' moment with him because I told him, I said, you know, having that name badge isn't a badge of honor. And I don't think Jesus would be praising you for taking that kind of attitude with people. I says, what baptism were you baptized in? Because it certainly wasn't the Holy Spirit. Because love isn't crusty. Love is warm and free and giving. Amen? And so he asked this church that very important question. And they respond and he gets to the he gets to the heart of the matter. And I think it's so important these days because like this is kind of a sidetrack, so I apologize, but but we tend to wear these trinkets. This, this bling. Now this one, if you can't see it, it's, a fa- it's the face of Jesus. A lot of people wear crosses these days. And I often wonder what the world sees when they see somebody wearing a cross. Do they see someone that is actually living out a transformed life? Do they see Jesus when they see that cross? Or do they just see somebody wearing bling? You all know what bling is? Bling is for show, right? And so, I believe when we are baptized by the Holy Spirit, our lives are transformed our lives can lead to transformation in others as well. And I'll close this with this story. I don't know if I'm on time or not, but you guys are going to have to bear with me. I'll close with this story. About 10 years ago, I was in an accountability group with two other guys, Mark and Bill. And no, it's not the same Bill as the earlier story. But we were in this accountability group, had been in there for about two years, and Keith came in very saddened, or I mean Bill came in very saddened one day. And I said, Bill, what's going on? 
He said, I just received a call from my brother. He's in jail. He wants bailed out. And he wants me to take him in. You see, his brother was named Keith. His, and Keith had been married and had a house and a good job. But he became addicted to crack cocaine. And as a result of that addiction, he lost everything. He lost his house. He lost his family. He lost his wife. He chose crack cocaine over everything. He ended up living in the streets for like three months and was caught loitering, and then they found out that he was on drugs, so they put him in jail. And as we sat around that table and prayed about what to do, I told Bill, I says, well, Bill, if you can give Keith a roof over his head and a meal, then I will provide employment. And the three of us working together will help Keith get his life back. And so that's what we did for, for 18 months. And I can tell you it was a long, hard journey because there'd be times where, where Keith would work out really well for a week and then he'd get his paycheck and he'd disappear for four or five days. The streets and the drugs were calling him back. I can remember one early spring morning, he calls me up, he says, now you can't tell my brother, but like I, I binged again. Can you come pick me up? So I got in my car and I bundled up. I put my car hearts on because there was frost on the ground. And I went down to, into the ghetto of Columbus and, and got him from where he was at. And he reeked of the drugs. You could just smell it. And it was so bad that we rode all the way home, 45 minutes with the windows down. And he was freezing. I said, I'm sorry, but this is the life you chose. And over that 18 months of continually loving on him and having faith that he would turn his life to Christ and having hope, he eventually did. We led him to the waters. We led him to the cross, right? And that's when the transformation starts to really happen is when you've accepted Jesus and you've been baptized by the Holy Spirit. I'll never forget, he, had, he, had been, he was a newbie, right? And we were on our way to a job site, and, and I got off 71, and I come to the intersection, and there's a homeless guy right there. He's got this sign that says, homeless, hungry, need help, God bless. And I felt the Holy Spirit just bring a conviction on me. Give him everything you have in your wallet. And so I stopped at the truck, and I opened up my wallet, and I had a $20 bill, and I rolled down the window, and I said, Get, here you go. And he come over and he says, God bless you, man, in this beautiful, booming voice. I says, he already has, and he's going to bless you too. And as we pull away, Keith just becomes absolutely livid. I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you gave that guy some money. I says, Keith, the Holy Spirit prompted me to do that. He said, you don't understand. That guy's going to take that money and go right around the corner and smoke it or, or inject it. I says, Keith, all I don't, I don't know what the guy's going to do. He may do that with that $20, or he may be blessed. But all I had to do was be obedient to the Spirit, right? And a week and a half later, in our accountability group, we're sitting, now it's the four of us, because uh, Keith has joined our group. 
and we're we're talking and and sharing and reading and praying and and I finally look over to Keith and I says Keith did you watch the news this week he goes yeah which part I said the part about the man with the golden voice y'all know who I'm talking about the man with the golden voice that made Good Morning America and he goes yeah I said Keith that was the guy He says, what do you mean? I says, that was the guy on the corner that I gave $20 to. And in that moment, you could see Keith, his whole demeanor transform as he began to weep and realize that God had a plan. Not only for that man on the corner, but for him too. That's what a baptism of the Holy Spirit can do. It can lead to transformation in our own lives so that we can lead others to transformation as well. In a minute, I'm going to invite you to come forward to touch the waters to remember your baptism, to reclaim that gift of the Holy Spirit. And if you haven't been baptized and you want to be baptized, today's a good day and we can do that. So I'm going to pray over this water. And if you would join me in that prayer, that'd be awesome. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on this water. That Holy Spirit would come and be that gift to us. And as we come forward to reclaim that gift of the Holy Spirit by remembering our baptism, that we would remember that we are in mission with you to the whole world. That we could start to live a transformed life that would lead to transformation not only in us but to others. That by our actions and the way we live it would be inviting to others to ask what's going on in your life? I need some of what you have. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't want to rush through this. I want you to come up as you're led. You can kneel if you want. Or you can go straight to the water. You can take a little bit or a lot. Don't worry, we've paid the water bill. But simply touch the waters. Remember your baptism and reclaim that gift of the Holy Spirit. And allow the transformation of God's love to start afresh today. Come. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If you would like to contact the church for more information or to speak with one of our pastors, please call us at 440-942-9068. Background music for this recording provided by bensound.com.